You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. I want to minister to you this morning on things that faith can do. And what this message is about is bringing your faith to another level. Now, how many know that sometimes in life, things go from bad to worse to terrible? Amen? When that occurs, you have to be willing to believe beyond what you believed before. Uh, an example of that in Scripture is the ruler of the synagogue that came to Jesus. He said, lay your hands on my daughter and she will be well. And Jesus said, let's go. And they went ahead and walked towards his daughter. And then on the way there, his friends came and said, don't bother the master for your daughter has, has died. Now, when he met Jesus, he was believing that she would be healed. Now he's in a whole nother level. It's one from bad to worse to terrible. Now he's got to believe for his daughter to be resurrected from the dead. How many know that's a higher level? And some of you are in that boat this morning where you need your faith to rise up higher than the situation that you're f facing. This message of God is extremely anointed. There's great revelation in it. And I believe it will help you get to that place. And it reminds me of Isaiah 43, which said this. It said, forget the former things, for I'm doing a new thing. In other words, I want you to rise your faith up higher than it was before. I want to do something new in your life, something I want to give you success in the wilderness, not just in the promised land. Amen? So with that in mind, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 17, and I want to relate to a story where Jesus' own disciples had to elevate their faith to be able to do the miraculous that God had called them to do. And in the story, here's the background. Peter, James, and John, and Jesus went to the, what they call the Mount of Transfiguration, where his glory was revealed and all that. And they have come down off that mount, and here's where it starts. Go ahead. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, suffering severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithful and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say unto you that if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say unto this mountain, Be moved from here to there, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible for you. And watch this. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, there's a lot here to unload. The first part I want you to, to see is this. Usually when people look at this story, they look at the unbelief that was in the disciples. Oh, they had little faith. They had unbelief. That's why they couldn't do it. But we need to remember there was someone else there that day that had unbelief. And that was the father that brought the child to the disciples. You remember he asked Jesus, he said this to Jesus. He said, if you can help us, help us. And Jesus came across strong and said, if you can believe, all things are possible to the one who believes. Amen? 
So there was unbelief on both sides. This was an unusual demonic oppression that the apostles had never dealt with before because Jesus said this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. That means that Jesus must have been fasting to be able to cast this devil out. Can you say amen? Now, if you read the story, you realize they, well, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were up there for six days. Six days, they obviously were fasting and praying. And oftentimes we think of it, well, there were four people that went up in the Mount. Actually, there was more than that. There was Moses and Elijah who manifested in the supernatural when the glory began to shine on Jesus. There's actually six people. And I want you to hear that because when you pray in the Spirit, when you fast, you get hooked up to the Holy Spirit. And that means all the saints of old that are in connected with the Spirit, there's also this spirit of faith that you pick up when the Holy Spirit is operating in your life. And this is what Jesus said you need to be able to deal with this demonic pressure, uh, oppression that this uh, young boy that was in that was throwing him into the fire and so forth. And Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, here's what the problem is. You got little faith or unbelief. But then he said this. He said, if you had faith as a mustard seed. I want you to write this down. Whenever you sow a seed in the ground, it will always grow bigger than what it was originally sown as. In other words, whenever you start out in faith, it's just a seed. But that seed will grow. And some of you are in a situation right now, man, you're not sure your marriage is going to work out. You're not sure your checkbook is going to work out. You're not sure your future is going to work out. And what you got to understand is that you have some faith and you can sow a seed and that seed will grow bigger than what you originally planted it at. In other words, a seed of faith will grow into a tree and a tree will have fruit, praise God. And you got you to see that and grab that in your heart if you want your faith to accelerate if you want it to grow in a great way you have to do that spiritually in your life all of the things in the supernatural are obtained by faith and anything that you obtain in the supernatural can affect the physical world but you have to have faith to receive it let me give you an example years ago when I was saved. I was raised a Roman Catholic, and I went to church for years, not even saved. And it wasn't that I wasn't going to church, it's just that I wasn't saved. But a day came when I moved out, and, and I didn't think that God even existed personally, that God ministered to me and began to draw me. And I remember going, I remember what it was like when I believed. My whole heart changed when my confession was made unto salvation. And what was so powerful about this, which I think you need to hear is this, I was radically changed, but I still didn't have everything that God offered. I still didn't have what some of the promises talk about. And so here's the truth that I want you to see from this. I remember it was months after my conversion I'd been radically saved. I was on a construction site. 
And I was working with a young man. My hair was way out here. I looked like Jimi Hendrix. Because I'd just been recently saved. And this man has clean, clean shaven, haircut really nice. And he's pounding these nails in with me to make these panels. And he looks at me and he says, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? I said, yeah, I am. I, I don't think he was totally convinced when I said that because of the way I looked. But I said, yeah, I'm saved. And I shared my testimony. He says, all right, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost and do you speak in tongues? I said, no, but I want to. I said, how do you do it? And I understand I'm a baby Christian. He said, here's how you do it. It's real simple. Just believe you receive it today, and in two weeks it'll manifest. That's all he said. Just believe you receive it today, and in two weeks it'll manifest. So I said, all right. I believe I receive right now in Jesus' name. And two weeks later, the first Bible study that Joyce and I had ever gone to since we were born. We went to this Bible study, this small group, and we went into this house. It was a split-level home. We went down to the lower level, and there were three sisters. One played the guitar, and they sang. And I think there was about 12 of us there. And I'll never forget, I lifted up my hands, and I began to, the Spirit of God fell on me, and I began to pray in the Spirit. And they all thought, man, I've been doing it for years. No, no. But it took faith. It took faith. I said, it takes faith. The problem is we get religiously taught instead of New Testament taught, and so it hinders our simple believing. Bible says that you're to have faith as a child. Amen? Just believe, just believe, just believe. And what was so powerful about it is, man, once that happened, the gifts of the Spirit started to operate in my life like it never operated before. I was so excited about it. But it took that faith to make it work. That's why I'm asking some of you to believe beyond what you've believed. Some of you just believe enough, oh, I'm going to go to heaven. Oh, I'm believing enough, you know, you know, my sins are forgiven. That's all great. But don't stop there. Keep believing. Believe for his blessing. Believe through his breakthrough. Believe, 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 because no one falls away if they're believing. You only fall away when you don't believe. Keep believing. I know you may be married to somebody that's giving you a bad time. Just hit them on the side and say, I'm going to keep believing. You can be full of doubt and unbelief all you want. We're going to pay off our house. All the kids are going to be saved. You're finally going to get a better job than the one you got, and we're going to go on that dream vacation. I'm gonna, you're going to take me to Italy and hallelujah. Praise God. Just believe. Let me show you a verse. First Peter. Put it on the screen. It's a beautiful verse. To an inheritance, an incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. Now watch this part. Who are kept, say kept. Now notice how you're kept by the power of God through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, you're kept by the power of God, but how are you kept? Through faith, through faith, through faith, through faith, through faith. Now, I've been ministering long enough, I've seen enough people fall away. People do not fall away because of immorality. That's not why they fall away. They fall away because they stop believing that Christ died for them 
2,000 years ago. Of course, the immorality and all that stuff is part of the unbelief, but the main reason why they fall away is they stop believing in the God that came to save us, Jesus Christ crucified. He's the one that resurrected us from the dead. He's the one that gives us life. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one that can give you that breakthrough. They stop believing in the power of the gospel. They stop believing that Jesus is putting things under your feet, and they got into a bunch of religion that don't believe nothing or very little. Amen. Now, I'm going to show you in the Word some really difficult verses. And I felt so led to do this because the Lord was impressing me. Tell them to believe. Tell them to believe. Tell them to believe. Tell them to believe. And that's what the Holy Ghost was telling me. Tell them to believe and not retreat from believing. In America today, the church is not believing like it should. They're retreating from it. They're, they're letting the, the culture control them. They've stopped believing, and it leads to falling away. Look at these verses. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 3, and I want you to look carefully at this because these were people who were believers during the time of Paul. It said this, and this we will do if God permits. Watch the next part. For it is impossible for those, say impossible, for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Let me unload this for you. These individuals fell away 40 years after the church had started. Fell away. And the Holy Spirit says these people cannot be renewed again. And I want to explain why that's true. But here's the question that people say. Most people that interpret this, they say, well, these are people that really aren't saved. They've been in the church, they've tasted, but they're really not saved. That's how a lot of people interpret it. But let me prove to you that that cannot be true. The word tasted, same Greek word, is used in chapter 2. In chapter 2, it says that Jesus tasted death for every man. And now listen, Jesus didn't go into a coma and awaken. He wasn't unconscious and awoke. He died. He died and his spirit left his body and he descended into paradise and then into Hades. You can't get any deader than that. And it says he tasted it. In other words, this is not saying that these people sampled salvation. They weren't sampling it like you do in Costco. Isn't it great in Costco now you get to eat, go in there and eat food? I love it, praise God, the little samples. But th this is not talking about samples. This is talking about feeding on salvation and experiencing the power of salvation in your life. And so it, it shows you how it happens. First, an illumination. You go to church, and all of a sudden you see something you didn't see before. The Holy Spirit reveals to you. You know what the pastor's saying is true. Jesus did die for us. And your eyes are awake. You see for the first time you got ears. You may have been in church a thousand times and never saw it, but God opened your eyes. 
And then notice what it says in the next part. And has tasted the heavenly gift. Say heavenly gift. The heavenly gift is actually eternal life. It's actually salvation. John chapter 4 talks about Jesus as a gift. Amen. He gave water to the woman to take from this. You won't thirst again. You'll never thirst again. And he says, I'm the gift. I'm the gift. So it's talking about receiving Christ as your personal Savior. So you got illumination. And then you have someone getting born again. And then, I like this part, it says partakers of the Holy Ghost. How many know you can't get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit? But there's more than just getting saved. There's the outpoint of the Holy Spirit. You remember in John 20, after the resurrection, Jesus breathed in and breathed out and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they were born again because it was after the resurrection. But then he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And that was that second outpouring of God's Spirit that came upon some of the apostles. Now, here's the part I want you to see. There were 500, say 500. There were 500 of his disciples that saw him after the resurrection. And he told all of them, I want you to wait until Jerusalem till you receive power on from high. All of them. And he told them, he says, these signs will follow. You'll speak in new tongues. You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what he said to all 500. But there were only 120 that showed up. The rest must have been Baptists. <laughs> Or they must have been Presbyterian. Or they must have been Lutheran. That's no slam on that. I'm just saying that some of these denominations do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to criticize them in any way, shape, or form, but obviously some of them didn't believe what Jesus said. Now, I'm sure they got it later, but they didn't get it when it first came out. I like it when the wells just open, praise God. Amen. Now, here's what I want you to see from this. These individuals then were fully immersed in salvation and they were able to fall away. Somewhere down the road after they had been saved, the gifts of the Spirit operating in their life. And by the way, that's the next part that happened. It says that they received the good or tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. In other words, they prophesied. In other words, they operated in the gifts of the Spirit, but yet they still fell away. You can have an experience with God and, and get the fullness of God, but if you stop believing, it's a process that takes time that you can get to a place where you begin to actually deny the Christ who saved you. It's true. And I think the way it works is you start out, you believe everything. And then after you get some bad experiences. Well, I prayed that person didn't get well, or I prayed for this, and I, my bill wasn't paid, and you have these bad experiences, and then you hear some religion that says God doesn't always say yes or always say no or whatever. And then you begin to disbelieve what the promises say. And so you believe you're going to heaven. You believe your sins are forgiven, but you don't believe he's going to minister to all your needs here. You believe that, you know, when you get to heaven, you'll get healed, but far as here. And something happens in that process where you get down to a point where you can actually deny 
Christ and say, I don't know about it anymore. Maybe we came from aliens. Maybe Jesus is just uh, someone that was anointed by aliens. You wouldn't believe all the crazy things people are believing now. You've got to keep believing beyond what you've believed because your problems demand it. The problem, the addictions in our lives. When I grew up, the, the, the worst thing that could happen as a person is they would get in a fist fight. No one shot at anybody. When I grew up, the worst drugs they had was heroin, and very few people would take it. They only had pot, and it wasn't the kind of pot that you get addicted to. They just had LSD. That, that was it. Now we have drugs that you, you, you take them one time and you're addicted to them. We got to believe for more than what our fathers believed for. We got to believe more for our kids than what our fathers believed for. We got to rise up and say, God's not done with America yet. As long as the church is in America, we're going to believe for more. We're going to believe for addictions to be broke. We're going to believe for oppression to be broke. We're going to believe for this virus to be put to death. We're going to believe for all that stuff and not retreat and not back off and be controlled by our fears and controlled by bad science, but be controlled only by the living God. I will praise you, Lord. I will praise Praise you, Lord. I will praise you. Man, that's what we got to do. We can't retreat and not believe. I'm tired of losing people to unbelief. I'm tired of losing people because of carnality. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of that. Did you know that most of the people that die on Mount Everest climbing it is not on the climb up, it's on the climb down. I, sometimes I hear preachers, I want to reach through the radio and grab them by the collar and say, would you stop preaching unbelief? Would you stop preaching things that are not true? Why don't you start preaching that Jesus can save anybody? Why don't you start preaching that God can heal anyone? Why don't you preach that God wants to redeem America? Why don't you preach that God wants to raise us up? Why don't you start preaching what will make a difference and cause the kingdom of God to rise up? They said, oh, one of these days, one of these days we'll be in heaven. I'm going to pray the kingdom of God is manifested in this life, that we would see the days of heaven upon earth as we live here, that God's spirit would reign. I want you to believe for more and more and more and more and more. And you know, when I preach this, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I've experienced it. When things went from bad to worse to terrible to awful. I've been there. One of the greatest trials of my life is when I lost my voice or I couldn't, it was hard to preach. And I, you know, I, I, I pushed through it, but it was really difficult. 
And I remember driving home in the car, and, and I had to pull over the side of the road. I was broken. And I remember I pulled over the side of the road just weeping. I said, God, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing this. And I'd go home, I'd be depressed. My wife would go into my office, she'd put up scriptures. You can do all things through Christ. She'd say, come on, you're a king's king, you can do it. And I remember, I, I, you know, I was in that place of depression, but then I snapped out and I said, Lord, I'm going back right out of it. Praise God. I'm going right back out. I'm going to believe right God. I'm going to believe God again and again and again and again. I've been there with that pain. I know what it's like. But you can't win if you lay down. You can't win if you don't rise up and believe. You can't win if you allow what you see to determine what your circumstances are. You can't allow what you look like or what it feels like. You got to allow what the Word says, and you got to start speaking the Word to yourself. You got to come in. You got to come alive and start speaking to yourself. You got to start talking to yourself and saying, "Get up, get up." You're not going to quit. You're a king. You're a priest unto God. Don't you dare give the devil an inch. Don't you dare throw in the towel. Don't you dare give up. You fight in faith. Come on. Yes. Whew. Man, there's power in this. And I remember talking to myself, get up, Jack. Get up. Get up and pray. Get up and spake the word. Get up. Don't you allow your feelings to control you. And God's spirit, as soon as I got my faith working, his spirit would come on me. And I'd get into prayer. I'd be all prayed up. Whew. And then I'd go out, and there was still a manifestation. I remember one time, I, my voice had completely cleared up. I called my wife up and said, baby, it's completely clear. It's clear now. No problem. She said, great, honey. By that evening, it was messed up again. I struggled with that for five years. You may have been struggling longer in yours, but don't you dare under my watch stop believing. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give up on your marriage. Don't you dare give up on your children. Don't you dare give up on America. Don't you dare give up on our culture. Don't you dare give up. You rise up and say, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to believe. I'm going to shout on a God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Don't you dare quit. Whew. The only way you're going to fall away is if you quit believing. The safest place you can be is when you're believing. It's only when you start doubting you get into harm's way. If you're believing, you cannot be defeated by the devil. Just keep believing that what God put in your heart will in fact happen. Look at this verse, 1 John chapter 5. Powerful verse, but look at it. 1 John 5. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain that to you. It doesn't mean you don't sin. It means that your new nature, which you receive when you receive Christ, will always want to do the will of God. In other words, every time you sin, and you can, 
it'll always be against that new nature. You'll never feel right on the inside when you're born again. Can you say amen? amen? He said, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. Who keeps him? The pastor? How about mama? How about your good friends? How about the denomination that you go to? How about the church? No. It says that he keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. The wicked one will try to put a demonic spirit on your flesh, but if you exercise faith, it has to go. The devil will try to touch you with your finances, but if you use your faith, he has to go. I don't care what you're in. If you use your faith, the devil's going to run. I said the devil's going to run. He's not going to mess with my microphone until I finish the sermon. Amen. We're going to get that right. Praise God. Because I think what I did is maybe Jesus' name be good. Amen. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I don't quit. I'm going to the summit of my life. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to back away. I'm going to the summit of my life. You know, there's a text in Sermon on the Mount that I've preached thousands of times. It says, in the last days, it says that people will stand before Jesus and they'll say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name or wonders. It's important to realize that when that is written, it wasn't something they were presently doing. He didn't say, we are doing miracles right now. He didn't say that we are doing prophecy right now. It's reflecting about the past. It's aorist. These individuals thought because of what happened to them years earlier that they would be fine. And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Man. I never saw this revelation I'm going to share with you in this way before. It happened the other day I was studying and I was teaching. In fact, I did Dave's wife's funeral. Wonderful family. Dave's faith guy. And I was studying on names that are blotted out. As soon as I begin to look in Scripture and see that God blots out names of people, the Lord said, look at what it says, blot. I said, what do you mean blot? He says, look at it. Blotting is different than scratching out or crossing out. Because he's talking about parchment paper that had ink but didn't have acid in the ink so you could literally remove the sentence or the name and it'd just be a blank space. Now this is important because those who fall away, God blots out. In other words, there's no record of them. That's why the Bible says the great white throne judgment, the, the, books, the books will be open and if their name is not found, 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 
written in the books of life. They're cast in the lake of fire. In other words, they're, not, they're looking for something that used to be there, but it's not there anymore. It's been blotted out. Well, when Jesus said, I never knew you, he's also, re, uh, he's also quoting from Ezekiel. It said this, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and becomes unfaithful in his righteousness, it says even the good things that he did will not be remembered anymore. God will blot it out as if he never knew you. Now, what I like about this is simply this. You're not blotted out. And the devil don't have much of a chance now because of what I shared with you. You're not going to allow unbelief to creep in day after day after day after day after. You're not going to be like so many that tempt the tempter that allow him to go farther and farther and farther in your faith. You're going to say, I don't care what other people do. I don't care what goes on. I know what could happen, and I'm going forward. I'm going up the summit. I'm not going down. I'm going up. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God that God will do what he said he was going to do in my life. See, what we're talking about here is a person who holds on to the promises of God. That's what God wanted me to tell you. Keep believing. I heard a story, and this true story, it's about a captain came into a port, and, and he took the crew into the port get some food and rest and all that, and left two of the sailors on the ship in the port to watch the ship. That night there was a horrible storm, terrible storm. And one of the sailors was washed overboard. The one that survived, they say, well, how come you weren't washed overboard? He said, well, the guy that was washed overboard was actually in a sheltered part of the ship on the top, but when the wave came in, it just swept him away. And he says, I wasn't swept away because I was holding on to something. I was holding on to something that wouldn't be moved. When you hold on the word of God, you can't be moved. You can't be swept away. They can't sweep away your family when you hold on the word. They can't sweep away your money when you hold on the word. They can't sweep away your future when you hold on the word. They can't sweep it away. You got to hold on to it. 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 And you got to hold on to it. Man, just hold on to it. My dad used to say this, if you're going to hold on to something, make sure you hold on to something that can hold you. God's Word can hold you. It can hold your marriage together. It can hold your finances together. It can hold your health together. It can, until you're done, you're not done. I love that song. Until I'm gone, I say, I'm still, whoo, glory, glory to God. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.